0: It's marching season, and all over the north, the week-long 12th of July celebrations are taking place. Last year, I decided to travel to an orange march with a difference. Every year, on the Saturday before the 12th, the Orange Order hold their only parade in the Republic, at Rosnaillet, County Donegal. A parade for the lodges in the border counties, but also for the Dublin and Wicklow Loyal Orange Lodge. Surprised to hear that there was even such a thing, I couldn't help wonder what it must be like to be an orange man in Dublin.
1: year. I've been going to Northern Ireland since
2: 1965. I mean, you'll have people who espouse the 1916 leaders as being the great achievers for Ireland. Yeah, they're entitled to that view. I mean, nobody will take that away from them. I personally believe they're not. I think they were just a load of thugs. I see myself as a, as a
3: as a royalist, yes. yeah. As a member of the Orange Order, I, I see the the
0: sovereign as, as the keystone. Although members of an organisation that is often regarded as being hostile to the Republic, these three members were born and raised in Dublin. Uh, my name is
1: Winston, and I'm a member of the Dublin and Wicklow
0: Loyal Orange Institution. My name is
2: Derek Simpson, um, member of 1313, Loyal Orange Lodge, in the
0: city of Dublin. Hey, uh, Chris. And you're a member of...?
2: Dublin and Wicklow, Orange Lodge.
0: For Winston, membership of the Loyal Orders was an old family tradition. Um, I, I've now retired from my job, Trinity College,
1: Library, I used to work in. I would describe myself as uh, being a working class Protestant. As my mother came from Ben Bourg Street and her mother, and so on, uh, they were born there. Uh, my roots would have been County Wicklow. Um, my father and his father and his father were all born in County Wicklow going back some 200 years
0: he later settled in Finglas where his neighbours were that he was an orange man
1: um well it doesn't really affect me much up there around there uh, I don't know if many people knew it was an orange man, although there was uh, people around the area that knew that it would disappear every 12th of July. <laughs> 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 and that was it. But uh, in the work, like the audio was an orange man and uh, there was nobody, uh, there was no animosity there whatsoever. Like um, in, in my, my job, I've gone great with everybody and they all gone
0: great with me. Chris is one of the younger members of the Order.
3: My own background, uh, I would describe myself and, and I have to say a lot of people would probably, you know, say there's none left but i would be very much a working class dublin protestant uh, i grew up in the north inner city uh, and parishes now no longer existing um due to population changes and that i drive a taxi driving a taxi for 10 years in dublin um and my colleagues would would know my background uh, not all of them but certainly uh, a majority of them out of the taxi ranks are work in the city center would know me and uh, we had a bit of cracking. As I say to the lads, as I say, there's nothing that knows me more than a couple of arrogant English guys in the taxi. <laughs> we're not far from that.
0: Derek has been a member of the lodge for the last 15 years. The tradition that I come from, even though I was born and
2: bred in Dublin, I was educated here, I've lived nowhere else. The sort of family background I have... Um, would have been very much a sort of a Protestant type of family, and from the twelfth was on, we would usually watch it. Uh, so I probably grew up with a with, with an interest, um, and then it wasn't so much later on in life so I just took the decision to to find out a bit more and then joined up. As one might
0: expect, these members of the Orange Order hold an allegiance to the British Crown.
2: Well, yes, yeah, so I
3: would. I would have. Um, I would be. I see myself as a as a as a royalist. Yes. Yeah, as a member of the Orange Order, I I see the the sovereign as as the keystone. Uh, not saying that I live in a republic, and I I I'm, I have to be loyal to the country I live in. Um, that's 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 a given, you know. Um, and I'm ha- happy to call myself Irish in that. But the the, the sovereign Queen Elizabeth II I I see as the, as the keystone to a stable society. In saying that. My grandparents, you know, my, my grandmother would have never been no further north than Skerry's, you know, and no further south than Greystones. But she had an unbelievable love for the Royal family. You know, even my mother today um, still lives in the north side. She would have photographs of the Royal family up. Now, when I asked her that, it's unusual. When I can ask my grandmother that, I remember asking her, she would say, uh, to me oh well we're, we're British we're Irish but we're British you know but we're saying that to my mother she can't answer it she said I don't know they're just up there you know <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's um, it's a challenge for her for me it's it, it's it's my identity um I'm Irish very much so I'm not Scottish or Welsh or English or am Irish but I am um, a Protestant man in Dublin and my heritage would be that of
2: a British line link. I mean the royalty aspect here in Dublin is, yeah we all, I mean if you go out to Dublin uh, and the time of Prince Charles was over, the amount of people that actually came out on the street, okay there was a curiosity interest. I, I don't worship the royal family. I have a very high regard for them. They they are not head of my state. Um, uh, it, it, it's, it's part of our history. We were part of the UK at one stage so we can't ever airbrush that out uh, even though they did try to um, I think there is a curiosity, and I think within Ireland as a whole, there is still a, a sneaking um, admiration for royalty. Now they're not perfect, as we all know; they have their qualms as well. But I think there is a sneaking, a sneaking admiration still for it, and I don't think that'll ever, I ever disappear. Well, uh,
1: I would have a loyalty, sorry, I would have a loyalty to the crown as well. But as um, regards to living in the Republic. We we might not have to say we might to have um, a sort of a loyalty to uh, the flag here as we would to uh, say the union flag, but orange men have always been have always obeyed the laws and the well being of the country here. They paid their taxes the same as anybody else. They voted in elections and so on. Um, orange men here uh, they never got really got involved much in politics here. Although I do know several. Uh, ...orange men now who, uh, in our lodge who were affiliated to gael for example.
0: The Orange Institution was founded in 1795... ...as a Protestant fraternity to commemorate the Battle of the Boyne... ...and the victory of the Williamite forces over the Jacobites... ...and to uphold the principles of the Reformed faith... Basing itself on the Freemasons, the Orange Order incorporated many Masonic traditions, its symbolism, its rituals and its regalia. One of the most iconic and recognisable images of the Orange Institution is of course the sash, or as it's sometimes called the collarette. So where would an orange man in the south get his sash?
3: Well one can order them through the lodge, which is the handiest way to do it, or you can order online, they're about 100 euros. You know, 70 pounds sterling. So they used to be made of silk. You know, 70, 100 years ago, and uh, they're quite expensive. If if they, you know, if, even if you have a an antique one, the main the main ones now are made of satin. I think I think they'll be satin. So a lot of them would be passed down. That's 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 where uh, a, a lot of Winston's ones would would come from. Uh, but the, my one now is a, is a is a, a satin one. The braiding is silver. Um, it can come in gold, but that's if you're if you're in Grand Lodge, you know it's a it's a, it's a silver braiding, and the symbols on them would represent uh, Jacob's Ladder. The coffin would represent death. You know we all have to meet the King of Kings at some stage, so so they they have different meanings.
1: I have some artifacts here um, dealing with uh, the Orange Institution and my uh, family history. Um, for example, I have a collaret here which has on the past master a Dublin and Wicklow LOL 1313 with a jewel on the end of it. Uh, this jewel is, um, is uh, you're entitled to wear this jewel after you've gone through the chair of worshiping master. Now the other sash I have here is a traditional sash worn many years ago, The bus, uh, they're they're on their way back again, the orange men are now wearing them. Uh, this one though especially is made of silk and you cannot buy these anymore so it's over a hundred years old so that could be worth maybe a few a few bob as well uh, if you wanted to buy one. Uh, they would go mad for those, that sort of thing Then I have a sword, uh, it's a saber. As I said my father's people were um, from Wicklow. And uh, that's going back, this sabre is going back to 1798, where my great 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 grandfather was a member of the Wicklow Yeomanry uh, uh, in in 1798. And that sword or sabre belonged to him during the Irish Rebellion, 1798. Yeah. And uh, uh, the rebellion, of course, uh, uh, was uh, very active. Uh, The United Irishmen were very active at that time all over uh, uh, Wicklow and Calder, and so on. Uh, but uh, the loyalist population at that time were also very strong, and um, a lot of them joined the army to help defend their uh, properties and so on against the uh, insurgents at that time.
0: So, a lot of history there. Yeah, a lot of history
1: there, yeah. and uh, that's why I said uh, Jerry Adams coming on. Mister Adams said "Come on, television," and he'd say, "The Blitz should be out of my country," and I said, "I said to myself." What do I mean out of his country? It's my country too. Jerry Adams hadn't got anybody out in 98, but I had. And uh, uh, other people, like maybe John Hume hadn't got people out in 98 either because uh, he came over with the Scottish settlement as well and uh, they settled in Donegal. But they're only over since the late 1800s. So they couldn't have had anybody out in 1798. I'm proud to have had somebody, regardless of what side he was on, in 98. Uh, can we have a look at the sword? Oh, yeah, the sword. Uh, it's very light. It's a very light sword. And as you know, I think it was slowly painted, which it shouldn't have been, but uh, can you get that restored? It is restored. The handle is restored anyway for the start. And uh, many a your heads chopped off of that. <laughs> <laughs> but they're nice to have.
0: Although now married, Winston has no children of his own to pass on his Orange family heirlooms.
1: They were, they were handed down to me now through the family. Me last name was your father. He handed them down to me. And I've got nobody to hand them to, unfortunately. So I have made a will. Uh, in my will, I have made it to uh, one of our um, uh, members in the Orange Order in Dublin. Uh, his name is Owen as an executor as well on my will and he's going to look after especially especially that they will go to uh, safekeeping to
2: an orange museum in Belfast right. uh, We're on the Thumblin Road um, it's a red bricks building
0: There it's are around 1200 orange 172. lodges 172. on the island of Ireland with around but 200 in the Republic stories. mostly found in um, the border counties
2: has a space,
0: uh... Unbeknownst to most Dublin also has its very own Orange Lodge, right in the heart of the city, with its very own hall and a growing membership.
2: Cheers. Three, four years ago, we um, refurbished the place. We spent about £50,000 sterling on it at the time. It's still in the throes of uh, works being done. If you want, I'll, I'll show you around if you, if yeah, you, sure, if you, if you want. Yeah. I mean, there's no, no yeah. great secrets about the yeah. place. This is what we call the, the lodge room, and usually visitors are not allowed in here, but things have eased off over the years. Oh, wow.
0: um, when I enter the lodge room, I'm struck by its interior.
2: As you see, especially the deputy master's chair just inside the door on the right-hand side,
0: and the Worshipmaster's chair, which is the far end, decked out um, with old marching drums, a portrait of the Queen, images of King William, and photos of lodges and their well, members that are long deceased.
2: The, the other, lodge room represents
0: uh, a little piece of Orange, Great Britain, uh, the sovereign uh, empire, uh, right here in the centre of uh, Dublin city.
2: The room itself, as you can say, just basically laid uh, out with chairs. <laughs> uh, the two fine ornate chairs either end of the room. Um, on the walls, we have the, the usual paraphernalia that you would see in probably any, any large room and uh, King William. Um, but obviously we have the Union flag. Uh, um, we also, which we would tend to go towards more, would be the Cross of St. Patrick.
0: Although the Orange Order is not a secret organisation, their monthly meetings are private and conducted behind closed doors. You have the curtains
2: closed, is that... Curtains closed because outside the thing is, is our, our car park, and uh, and usually what would happen is we don't particularly, you know, particularly want people looking in. So uh, it's a shame if we were on a an upstairs floor, probably wouldn't have it. We just leave the leave the curtains shut. Um, usually, what goes on inside a lodge meeting is usually private to the lodge. Um, um, so, you know, if, if people got wind of the fact, or, I mean, it happened to be passing by, you don't particularly you want them stare staring in. Uh, so we tend to leave the curtains pulled. And anyway, we meet at night time anyway. Um, our meeting's at about eight o'clock anyway, so it's, it's usually dark. Um, so just leave the curtains pulled.
0: So what exactly happens at these meetings? And Who attends?
1: Well, it all depends. You you never get a full full amount at a meeting, but um, sometimes it could be an average of nine members, maybe, or maybe another night, maybe 15 or 16. It all depends. And then you might have a couple of visitors might bring it up more, up to 20. Like, you know, uh, we have members, affiliated members as well, from Northern Ireland as well. Uh, An Irishman can become an affiliated member of another lodge if he wants to as well, and he pays a sub there as well. How much is a sub? The sub is, uh, I think it is down here, 60 euro a year. Right. And uh, some of that goes to our lodge, and then you have to pay a capitation fee to Grand Lodge. Um, as well, each lodge has to pay a capitation fee for each member. So that goes to uh, the Orange Headquarters in Belfast. The bees go one for an hour, they go on for an hour and a half, whatever. It's... Uh, it's really about the goings on at the lodge itself, or just coming parades or whatever, um, or services or whatever. That's the squished at the meeting.
3: Well, the lodge meeting is 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 uh, we open with, with, with prayer, and um, standard order of business, and and then we close. We close with prayer. Uh, you would have readings from the scripture uh, on the opening, um, and you would have then. Uh, true i don't want to <laughs> divulge too much on the lodge meeting but you would have a uh, the, the makeup of a lodge would would be similar to you would have a secretary and uh, a treasurer and then you have a worship of master um a worship worship of master like a crown caller. he's like he's like um he's up there at the top and he he brings order to the meeting you know and then you have a deputy grand mouse uh de- sorry a deputy master and um he sort of uh, he looks over over the meeting as well. He's sort of second in command at the, at the lodge, and then the brethren. Then we, we look each lodge. You could have a so. Sometimes we have social talks in the lodge and different things. And then we have a
2: cup of tea after. Uh, then sometimes we may go for a point. Um, Halls uh, to the room. We have our banner. Um, it's a small banneret, as it's called. Uh, we don't have uh, a particularly large banner that you would normally see on. Uh, major parades, um, it was easier to have one person carrying it than the normal. You'd have maybe uh, two people and then the, the other four for carrying the guy rub. So uh, there, there, there's a trend now more towards having the, the, the smaller banners.
0: And the northern members of the Order, are they surprised to see a Dublin banner at the parades?
2: There was a misperception, certainly within the institution uh, in Ireland, um, that Dublin didn't exist um nobody ever heard of it because we are a little bit of out in the ordinary see our structure here is it's not so much a a lodge being a part of a group of lodges um, being part of a district being part of a county and then you have grand lodge dublin for historic reasons because of the old headquarters being here uh, dublin doesn't have a, a a district and a county structure or our, our our next superior lodge, as we'd say, is Grand Lodge in Belfast. So um, we're answerable to them. So it's a case of we've never had too much contact with other other lodges in Monaghan, Cavan, Leitrim, and Donegal. We're not in that loop. Um, we are more so now, um, but uh, historically we we haven't. So um, there's been a misperception that is there a lodge in Dublin? You were surprised about the people say, "Oh, I didn't know you existed."
0: Every July, the orange marching season comes around. But when all eyes are on the more contentious parades in and around Belfast and other parts of the North, one parade in the Republic passes off quietly and peacefully. As I arrive in Rosnauta, on the coast of Donegal, I'm hit by the wall of sound from the hundreds of practicing musicians.
2: Rosnalla is the parade that basically starts off the 12th Celebrations. You'll have the main parades in Belfast on the 12th. Um, Historically, the Saturday, previous to that, um, they started a parade in Rosnalla. Now, Rosnalla has been going there for a good number of years, but it was the one that would always uh, basically start off of the... um,
0: of the, of the celebrations. This carnival-like atmosphere is full of colour from the various flags, the banners, the marching band uniforms and the hundreds of colorettes. <laughs> Seeing this spectacle, it's bizarre to think that I'm actually still in the Republic.
2: Um, the, Donegal, the, Grand, the Grand Lodge of Donegal, which would be the major, major um, county on this side of the border, the biggest number, Um, hosts it every year and uh, they invite um, the counties of uh, Monaghan, Calvin, Leitrim, Donegal, and then uh, Dublin and Wicklow will have
0: its own um, slot. it had have maybe up to about 10,000 walking. Rosnaula is the premier expression of orange culture and tradition for the Southern Lodges and one of the few opportunities for members from both sides of the border to meet. The field holds a special place in orange culture. More than just a meeting point, it represents the gathering of the clans.
2: The County Donegal plus the, the brethren on this side of the border and the supporters, we actually purchased the field. It's where we start off um, from. Um, and we actually own that now. Um, and uh, then we go down to where the beach is and at the end of that then there will be a church service and then there will be the, the speeches and then there will be the, the parade back up to the field again. and. People will uh, disperse down. There's usually a load of old um, stalls selling bits and pieces and so on. It's a day out, sort of really a family day out. That's the way we like to see it on this side of the border, it's been a, a family day out. And if it's a nice sunny day, um, the kids can get onto the beach.
0: Now that passes off peacefully, parading can often be a divisive issue.
2: The parading has always been part of the Orange Institution. Uh, it's part of the tradition, it's part of the culture. Um, people don't like it, uh, they think it's in your face, but as far as we're concerned, it's, it's part of what we are. Um, the parading is, is to celebrate um, what we are. Yes, there has been naughty things done at parades, um, people have misbehaved, um, I do think they are disciplinary actions. They should have been disciplined um, by the lodge or the county or even grand lodge. In some cases, that hasn't been done. That is wrong. Um, I think, but maybe with the heat of the troubles and things like that, you know, things did get out of hand. But no, parading is certainly part of what we are. It's part of our tradition. It's part of our culture.
0: The long history of conflict associated with parades and marches reached a new level in the late 1990s. With the standoff at Drum Cree ported down between the Orange Order and the residents of the Garvahi Road. Although now a Catholic area, this has always been a traditional Orange Route.
3: Drum Cree was a, was was a disaster. Uh, a disaster for both communities, I think, but certainly it it it, it 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 has um it has you know, if you talk to somebody about orange orange and maybe bring up the subject, Drum Cree is the first thing that comes into mind, you know or, I didn't go personally but I I know one or two members from the lodge travelled up um, but I I still uh, as my personal opinion I think it was a disaster you know it was well orchestrated well planned there was buses being organised up the trunk Creek of protesters from from all across Dublin it was a political orchestrated pincer movement on the Orange Order and as far as I'm concerned as an orange man we walked right into it and um it's it's uh, and we we're bad leadership you know um we walked right straight into it we were better off turning around and walking back and not getting caught in
0: what about the charge that an orange man only wants to parade when it's true a catholic area that's
2: untrue um parading issues i have i mean these 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 traditional sites uh traditional parades um has been down particular roads yes demographics change um, the Garvahi Road, I would say, well, it, there's nobody living on the Gavahi Road. There are states living next door to the gavahi road um so the gavahi road isn't isn't owned by any one side or the other. That's one thing I will say is the roads the public roads aren't owned by the people who live on them. they're owned by the state, they're paid for by taxes, so you know um, therefore, people should be able to walk down them, but walk down in a respectful way. Um traditional routes. Um I have a problem with traditional routes. Um and I've aired this within the institution. To me a traditional route, okay, if I walk up and down Dawson Street once a year for the next ten years, does that make it a traditional route? You know, you could argue. Um to me traditional routes should come and go. Um yes, we should be respectful of the fact that what's the point in walking in an area Where your community doesn't live anymore. I mean, there was probably orange parades on the Falls Road. There's a Church of Iron Church needs to be on the Falls Road. What what, what would be the point of having an orange parade on the Falls Road? It's not going to happen. Nobody's arguing for it. So, you know, that traditional route, if it did exist, it's gone. My argument is well, let's have new routes. Um, You know, start up new traditional routes where they've never been before. You know, why not? Now, I know I'll get it in the neck and people say, well, my grandfather, my great-grandfather walked down that road, and I'm going to walk down that road. Life's not like that. Um, open up a new one. It might mean the road next door. It might mean a half a mile down the road another way.
0: In recent times, there have been attempts to hold an Orange Parade in Dublin. Given the disturbances at the Love Ulster Parade that took place in the city in 2006, do they ever see a time when an Orange Parade could happen in Dublin? But
3: firstly, with the, the Love Ulster, that wasn't orange, made that clear. It wasn't an orange parade, it wasn't organised by the orange order. Um, sadly, that should have been made more clear,
1: but it hasn't been. Well, the Love Ulster people themselves, uh, it was the victims of IRA uh, uh, violence. Uh, they, they, more or less, organised this parade. And, uh, uh, well, it was just, at least it was a throw-out. We saw what happened up in Parnell Square, so uh, I can't see, like, if Uh, if if that was a bit of a tryout. I can't see how uh, the Grand Ireland's Lodge could organize a parade from Parnell Street from Parnell Square down Uh, the same thing would happen I'm sure of that
3: (laughs) regarding parading the last parade in in Dublin was taken in uh, I think it was 1936, and it had to be abandoned because they were attacked on their way down to um, Eamon Street Station Uh, to have a parade in Dublin I think think, yes if you look at, at what's happening in the city only a couple of months back we had african um, day i think it was up in uh, the ivy gardens you have the 101 different type of festivals you know on on in the city you have uh oven and Dun you have cultural right uh world culture right you have the chinese new year you've all these things and you have um, a group of people living in in the republic uh who have a, a history and a culture who cannot? Well, not say we cannot say we cannot, right? We could, you know, we can organise if for next next year if we wanted it. But it's the 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 threat of malice. It's the um, it's being received by also the the, the commercial entity of the city. Uh, but I could see, and I would like to see, that a parade could take place in the city, not just with Dublin and Wicklow, but certainly with all the lodges in the Republic, um, for for the for the twelfth.
0: And I can't see why why it
3: can't it can't it can't happen, you know.
0: The existence of the Orange Order is an awkward reality for some ordinary Protestants, not least because it's seen as anti-Catholic and sectarian.
3: You're certainly within within the community. You're you, yeah. You're looked on wearily. Let's say you know, uh, I mean, it's very hard to get anywhere to, to have us a church service. They they just don't want to go near us. <laughs> you know. You see, you got to understand that. The Orange Order is is upholds the Reformation and the principles of the Reformation and the authority of the Bible and the, and it is anti-Catholicism. You know, it's it, we 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 are against the Catholic Church, not against Catholic people. i certainly uh, not against, Catholic, but certainly against the teachings of the Catholic Church and its political masters. Um, and when you have an uh, ecumenical churches, which is in the south, and they're they're compromising. They're compromising on scripture and they're compromising on, on on their own values. I'm not saying that you can't be a good neighbour to to your local PP, you know, or the church or the minister can't meet on them on a social thing. But when it comes down to um mm. to uh divine worship and and, and uh and uh church and our theology and our scripture it's it's it stands alone. In saying that you always know, say, "No, oh, well, you know, he he he's a bigot, he's sectarian." If you've got to use the word of sectarianism. Sect is a group of people. And a sectarian is a border, you know. So if you've got to say, oh, "I have no problem saying yes, I am sectarian," is in the sense that, yeah, there's, I I believe in my community. You'll have a, a thing now uh, preached that uh, we're part of wider community. Yes, we are part of the wider community, and we have a responsibility to that. But we also have our own community, you know. And that comes first.
0: Because the Irish tricolour's association with republicanism and the troubles in the north, orange members in the south have always had an issue identifying with it. Even though it's the only flag on these isles that has a clear representation of their culture,
3: I don't see the tricolour as as representing me nor w- what I value. Um, it represents certainly the country I, I live in. There's no two ways about that. But if you want a, a flag that that I would and I, I carried it on, on in Donegal, was uh, Saint Patrick's cross. You know, I filed that that, and you'll see it flying in the city. It flies outside the um, College of Surgeons and different different institutions. Uh, and I think that's more represent representative of uh, of me as an Irish person, but also as someone who, who believes in, in a union uh with uh, within the you know, the United Kingdom, Great Britain. Uh but the the tricolor doesn't doesn't represent that to me, uh represents nothing actually to me. In in uh, not even the orange. As I say, it's a challenge to Republicans that tricolor. Uh, not to me, you know. I don't see it as a threat neither, you know, but uh, it's it's nothing, you know.
2: We've certainly taken a, a a decision that I I feel comfortable that the the cross of St Patrick is is my flag. Um, it's just it's part of the union flag. Um, you have the uh, the cross of St George, which is England. You have the the white on the blue, which is Scotland, and you have the the red diagonal cross, which is uh, St Patrick, and that was brought onto the flag at the time of active Union in 1800 to represent Ireland. Obviously, I'm, I'm a Democrat. Um, I live in a democratic state, and I have to accept the democratic view of the people. And the um, obviously, the tricolour is the, is, the, is the flag of the state that I live in and pay my taxes in and vote in. Um, so, you know, uh, I have to accept that fact. But I would hope society, and certainly since the Belfast Agreement where we're all supposed to be able to feel comfortable and be able to live within a society that we feel comfortable in um, and if that means me um, and people like me except that cross St. Patrick is my flag um, well, well, so be it um, St. Patrick was the patron saint of Ireland anyway um, a 32 county Ireland so therefore the, the flag that was actually put together and called the St. Patrick's flag um, I don't see any problem with it
0: Another part of the national identity that these Dublin Orangemen find it hard to associate with are the Gaelic Games.
3: Regarding the GEA, I have no social connection with the GEA at all, and I actually resent you see it being pushed into the primary Church of Ireland primary schools. Um, I see it as a as a monocultural Catholic organisation. My family have no place. I mean, that's my children, and that would have no place in the GAA whatsoever. You know, I would resist it with everything. You know, it's just that they, they wouldn't be partaking in it
2: or in school or anything like that. No, sport, unfortunately in Ireland, was politicised, and um, when the GAA brought in the ban, um, they were obviously trying to uh, make their particular games the only games that were going to ever be played in Ireland, and. Uh, um, it was considered... You were considered a traitor or, you know, a West Brit or something like that if you played any other games. And obviously the sports died away into, into insignificance. Uh, to me, that was a sad day. Fortunately now, I think I think sport has changed and kids are are playing whatever sport they want, whether it be GAA or Hurley or wherever, it doesn't matter. I'm glad the ban is gone. Um, I, I think it has allowed people now to certainly play play other sports. I mean, cricket has certainly had had never disappeared from the Southern Irish psyche. It was certainly an East
0: Coast sport and certainly still is. In recent times, the Irish government has made efforts to support orange culture. In 2008, the Orange Order in the South received €250,000 in funding from the Irish government. This went towards the repair and refurbishment of their orange halls and to support the work of a development officer. Also in that year, a visitor centre was opened on the famous site of the Battle of the Boyne.
2: The Boyne site, great development. Um should have happened years ago. I think probably the only reason why a lot of the money went into it now was because of to, to to encourage people to sign up to the Belfast Agreement. Um, so there's probably a, a political uh, motive in it. I think, yes, the battle site of the Boyne was a major European battle. One can't deny that. Um, fortunately for Ireland, the Williamites won because quite a lot of the structures that actually came in from William when he uh certainly in the Dublin the Dublin area, the the council and the various bits of it came from him originally. So yes fortunately for us uh yeah, for all of us uh, William won. Um but no, we should rub their nose in it mean, William wasn't an archman. um and we've no right to claim him really as being exclusively uh ours. Um it's an important site and uh, from a world heritage point of view I think it's vital. Today that um... It was opened.
1: was very uh, impressive altogether, uh, with, when you have the likes of Ian Paisley and uh, Bertie down there together. and uh, Ian Paisley presenting Bertie with a musket that was used by the Jacoboys during the battle.
2: That really looked impressive altogether. I had to laugh myself. <laughs> <laughs> we have enough historical sites regarding the so-called of 1916 and they keep on glamorising that I have no objections to that but put it in the context um, people are entitled to to, to um, look at and listen to what actually happened in 1916 and why, why they went ahead and did what they did they make their own minds up on it the same with the Ockram site and the same with the Boyne site let people go along to the sites the museums, the interpretive centres and uh, research for themselves um you know who was the good guy and who was the bad guy
0: for an orange man in dublin it's difficult to find a place in irish society it's hard to feel attached to the symbols of the state to feel a part of the culture people of my
2: culture tradition tend to feel a bit outside it's like as if you're looking into a greenhouse or looking into a box you don't
0: feel part of it not quite or an orange man in Dublin. What would it take to feel a part of that collective Irish identity? I, I think there's an awful
2: lot of problems uh, here concerning identities. We seem to be fixated on the island by identities. Um, whether you're a rabid Republican or a weak Republican. Or whether you're a, a nationalist or whether you're, you wouldn't regard yourself as a Republican, but you would regard yourself as a Democrat like I am. And to me, after 80, 90 years of independence, it basically proves the point that we're certainly insecure in in, in what we are. And I don't think any society, any state can move forward until it has sorted out where it has come from.